Welcome to the XY Advisor Podcast. To join a global community of financial advisors sharing and learning with one another to drive the positive evolution of financial advice, head to xyadvisor.com. Both Zurich and OnePath life insurance offerings deliver the broadest range of offerings in the market with a combined four distinct solutions on offer to better serve all Australians. At Zurich and OnePath, we believe in the value of advice and the professionals who provide it. This means investing in more ways to help your clients and making it easier for you to do business with us. To find out more about how we can help you and your clients, contact your Zurich and OnePath life or Zurich Investments representative today. Today, Clayton here from XY Advisor. Thanks for uh, joining us today. Got a really special guest. We have Chilla, who is uh, XY is actually head of uh, operations, also university lecturer. And uh, but you originally came from financial planning and then got into the education after doing a master's. Correct. That's the story. That's right. That's right. Um, I finished my master's at Western Sydney University. And I mentioned to my lecturers at the time that I would be interested in teaching. And they said, are you serious? I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I got into the, um, the university lecturing while I was still working in financial planning. Um, I started off with some undergraduate um, courses. And um, I was sort of asked at the same time, would you consider doing a PhD? And I said, mm, not while I'm still working in financial planning. So it, it must have been, um, I, I don't know, they, they call it um, serendipity or it was meant to happen. Right. <laughs> I got very, very ill um, a couple of years ago and ended up having to leave my job in financial planning and was just doing the teaching on the side and applied to Western Sydney University to do a Master of Philosophy and got in. Wow. So now I'm teaching and studying again. <laughs> well, I mean, look, from, out, from where we're seated, especially from XY's point of view, uh, you bring a real sort of empirical rigor to, to the conversations that we have internally and also to the work that we produce externally. Um, and, you know, when, when we were talking about putting together this 10 part series on mental health, you said, Hey, look, you know, um, I've got some personal experiences in, in this side of things and also some uh, academia on that side of things. And you, you sort of put your hand up and you said, actually, I wouldn't mind having a chat, uh, on the podcast series. And I, I thought that is sensational. That's a really good idea. And on top of helping us bring in some great guests that we, that you've helped line up, uh, you know, we get the chance to discuss, mental health recovery, resilience, um, and from an advisor's point of view, how they can help clients. And I think that's a really interesting thing because I believe you've, it was either your thesis or you, you did a large piece of work on empathy, mm -hmm. financial planners and empathy. And yeah. I thought that was a really interesting um, subject matter. I thought that would be very good to sort of discuss um, this topic because a lot of advisors out there now have clients who are on claim for mental health issues. Mm -hmm. And then it becomes this really weird scenario where 
well, is it in the best interest of the client to stay on claim or is it the best interest of the client to get, to help them get back up on their feet, to become a productive member of society and, and to sort of not spiral down the, you know, in, further and further into mental health problems. Because honestly, like a lot of times if someone's getting paid more money to sit at home than they would at work, then there's a very easy argument to say, well, actually it's, the, it's in your best interest to stay at home sitting on the couch and not do anything with your life. But that's kind of, that's not really taking into a full consideration from where you're seated what do you think an advisor can do to help their clients with empathy, to get them back out there, to start living their life, to, you know, help them become a productive member of society again? Well, look, I, I can speak to my own experience and, and how mental health has made me feel, but also, also to what I am studying in terms of my, my, hopefully soon to be PhD. Um, so I've, I've looked a lot at the whole empathy thing and how we can, you know, feel within ourselves and so forth. And, and you know, it hasn't been an easy road because I've had, um, I've had some very um, bad issues. And I, I agree with you in that I think that people need to be productive members of society because it gives us something to strive for. It gives us a goal to look at. Um, and I know with me, that's exactly what's happened. You know, I went from doctor to doctor to doctor and they were all telling me things that I, I didn't want to hear. Um, and basically I was at a point where, yes, I was doing my teaching and I was, and I was able to do it, but I would sit down on the couch and fall asleep for a couple of hours um, and have rests in between um, all my work because I was just feeling so ill. Um, and I know for me that was making me feel worse. It was making me feel worthless and it was making me feel like I didn't want to get out of bed every day, particularly when they tried to put me on medications. So I sort of took my um, health into my own hands. Um, I spoke to a lot of good friends. Um, they're also colleagues um, in financial planning and in academia, in um, financial planning academia. And they supported me through, through this, which was a big, a big thing. And I ended up finding out that my issues are probably something that I can't ever resolve but I can control um, and now that my pain is more under control and I have dealt with that part I've come out of it with the whole sense that I do have a purpose and my purpose is to you know do this do this thesis and impart on people that there is value to their lives and we should all be contributing members of society um, and, and what I've seen during COVID-19 in particular is all the, all the, even Scott Morrison said it, everyone is an essential worker if you have a job. I mean, we, that's all we need to think about. We're all essential. We all need to be contributing. It's, it's great being a member of society. It contributes to knowledge. Yeah. And can you duck into your, cause uh, we spoke about purpose um, when we met and, and your purpose really aligned with why we were building XY. And that was not like you, you, 
you, you spoke a lot about helping well, essentially drive the positive evolution of financial advice. That, that's sort of close to what it is that you want to achieve in, in your professional sense. Um, what if, and this is like, answer me this, let's say you had uh, really, really good income protection, right? And you could have gone on claim. This is in a theoretical situation. Let's say you mm-hmm. could have gone on claim mm-hmm. and stayed on claim for the rest of your life. Do you think that you would have gotten out of bed and got back to work and become, you know, like, I mean, taking on this role at XY, that's not an easy role, right? And it's only just begun. Like realistically, it, we, we expect over time this to, to grow into a bigger role. Yep. And, um, and, you know, you put your hand up and you said, actually, like, I'm, <laughs> you, we made it very difficult to go for this role, right? I'm, I'm yep. sure you remember. Yep. Um, we, we didn't make it easy. And you were uh, the only one that completed the whole job application. And then we got to meet and we got to chat. And I found your dedication, I guess, to not just the profession of financial planning, but just your resilience in general to be, you know, a, a really positive attribute of your personality. Do you feel like you've built this over the course of your own, um, own situation? And do you think if you had been given all the, I guess, the benefits of, of, a, of an insurance payout, do you think you would have done that? Look, I, I, I actually can't get IP insurance because of the issues that I have. But if, if theoretically I had, yes, because... I I don't think I could um, sit there and and just receive money and not get out of bed and not have something to do. I, for me, it would be completely boring, even with all the pain that I'm sometimes in. Um, I I always said to my husband, I said I would always do something, even if that was just being able to study. Um, I said to him, you know, I would go and do a PhD or I'd go and do a, a, a a, a counselling course or a, a psychology course or something, even even try to use that to to then work because there's to me unless I'm working there's not really much of a point you know it, it's sitting around the house watching Netflix all day yes you do that once in a while but not not on an ongoing basis at all no yeah and in terms of a financial planner and in terms of your study that you've done. What effects does an advisor with, let's call it a high level of empathy, what benefits does that provide to clients? Well, I think being able to understand um, how someone feels, to be able to come up with options for people, um, to be able to provide them with something other than just, uh, yes, it's going to be okay. I, I think having that sort of, high level of, of thinking behind everything, of being able to see the situation unfold. I mean, you, you yourself do it when you, um, when you ask questions. Um, it's, it's really important and I think clients do appreciate it. And I've seen, I've seen my previous um, bosses and I've seen my colleagues and friends who are in the um, emerging profession do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's a huge part of the job. It, can you walk us through that study in a little bit of detail? What did you, what was the purpose of it? 
so my study or just yes, in general? Speci- no, specifically uh, yours. <laughs> okay, well, we're, I mean, we're still building it, um, but it, it sort of came came off the back of me um, with my experience because I thought, well, what subject can I can I do a a whole you know however many hundred pages on? And my 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 father a long time ago. I was an adult when he when he did this. He um. I don't know whether they say committed suicide, killed himself. I don't know how to say it. I don't know the right words. And I sort of um, thought to myself, I always wanted to know the stuff behind that. And, and, and I sort of left it, left it, left it, you know, never, never really thought about it. And I know when, when I talk to people about um, this topic, they get really uncomfortable and they don't know what to say. And it's like, well, what do you say? You, you can't say anything. Um, and, and that's where it sort of came from in that people don't know how to address uncomfortable issues. And I remember uh, just, just about three years ago, I went to see a lady called Amy Florian. And she deals a lot with grief and how financial advisors can talk to people who are going through grief. And I thought, oh, that would be a great thesis. So I put in my application to to do it on grief. And it's kind of evolved over time because the main thing that I was really looking at was, and and this is still being nutted out with my supervisors, is how we can um, help financial planners you know, use their empathy and so forth and and apply our new code of ethics in particular because ethics and empathy, I think, go together hand in hand. Interesting. What is your early conclusion? <laughs> My early conclusion, look, um, it, it's very early on and I, I think that, um, look, opinion-wise, I think the financial planners have been given this code of ethics. They've been told they have to, well, they've been professionalised and it's all happened. It's all happened very quickly in that, it, you know, it's, it's boom, 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 boom. But it's been coming on for years and years and years. Um, so in that respect, it hasn't been, um, it hasn't been something they didn't see coming. But I think it's really important for them to know how to use this code of ethics to look at a situation and not just see the numbers and not just see the risk profile. They have to see what's behind the risk profile. And, and yes, to a certain extent, it's behavioural finance and psychology and all that sort of thing, which is kind of where my thesis will overlap. But, you know, there, there's also how to read a situation and the comparison I can make is I say to students when someone asks you a question particularly if they're asking you a um, question about how to write a thesis you know an essay for your um, degree think about what it is that they're trying to ask you so I just think what is the client trying to tell us and how can we apply that code of ethics and why does it apply? Yeah, it's a huge topic and one that I'm only starting to get my head around. Um, in terms of uh, your view of where financial advice is headed, do you see it just going further and further down the path of, because I mean, you're 
actually the lecturer that's bringing in the next generation of advisors. Like, let's, let's be very clear that basically you are single-handedly, Chilla, responsible for the survival of this profession. No, I'm completely joking. But <laughs> I, you're obviously seeing the people that are coming through, right? Uh, what's kind of interesting is I had a, a conversation. It's actually a podcast. It'll be out by the time this, this is released. Um, the Professional Independent um, Financial Association, Financial Advisor Association, PIFA. The president there is a guy named Daniel, and he has done all the work required, check this, to get the Australian Professional Council and these are the, this is the Council of Australia that decides what job is a profession or not. And he has done the work to get financial planning to become a profession. Mm-hmm. So now he has he's submitted like a thousand pages um, and it, it's, almost, it's almost ticked over. By, by the next couple of months, he's very confident that, uh, that his little association currently little association will be the first professionals. And what does it mean to become a professional? It means limited liability, right? So, uh, so reduction in professional indemnity costs is one of many benefits. Um, but being able to call, your profession, call yourself a professional is literally just on the horizon, which I'm so happy to hear. Now, uh, in terms of seeing um, new students come through financial planning, what are their expectations? What, what are you noticing in terms of what the next generation of financial planners look like in terms of the way that they speak, talk, the way that they think about financial planning? And is it different to your experience when you were working at, in a financial planning office? Um, okay. Well, when I started working with, with Wayne um, about seven years ago when I first came into financial planning, he was always telling me, "Don't look at the product, look at the strategy, um, and and go and go and work out what you want to do, um, and or what we should do, basically, because we we would look at the client situation, and that that's I've I've sort of carried that with me, and always said to the um, students, you know, financial planning isn't yes, it's about the numbers, it's about cash flow, it's about um, and all the bread and butter stuff." But we have to be able to read the client situation because we have to be able to pick, for instance, the, 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 the risk that the client could have uh, an issue with one part of insurance, for example. But where did that risk come from? You'd look back over their family. And if we've done our job properly, I, I, I say to the students, if we've done our job properly, we've looked back, we've had the conversation with them, we know all about them. Um, we take that information and we can go, okay, well, you're going to have a problem with this, this and this because of such and such over here. And I always tell them, I say, just because I say something, it doesn't mean that you've got to take it on board. You should research it and look behind it and see what someone else says because that what I say might not necessarily be what someone else has said. So my point there is we have to research what we're actually doing to make sure that there's, if there's more than one opinion on it, we need to check that we are doing the right thing and not just regurgitating the textbook, for example. Awesome. What, what would you say are some really good sources for research? At which level? 
financial planner level or student level? I'd say financial planner. What, what, what should financial planners be reading to question what it is that they're doing and, and ensuring that they're doing it in the best way possible? Look, for me, um, it, it's been really hard for me because I, I can read a technical thing. I can read, um, you know, the financial planning textbooks and understand it. And, but with theoretical stuff, that's been really hard for me. Um, I think it's important that they read widely, um, that they read across industries and professions, um, and that they, they don't just take someone's word for it. They question what that person is saying. If they read an article and something doesn't look right, go and have a look at something else. Don't just, don't just take that person's word for it. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, one of the things that I'm thinking of in terms of, you know, the mental health, um, of clients, right? So let's, let's say you've got an advisor out there, you've got a bunch of clients and, um, and let's say one of them, um, has gone through a traumatic experience, right? What can an advisor do, right? Because the advisor sits in that really strange position between accountant and psychologist, like it's a very, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's sort of the, the melding of both of those skill sets. And, and a lot of people don't want to see a psychologist and a lot of people want to talk to a financial planner. I, I found as a financial planner, I would knew more about my clients than their own families. Mm-hmm. What are some talking points? What are some skills? What are the types of things advisors can be doing to have better conversations with their clients who have gone through traumatic events? So I guess we always think that we're going to ask the wrong questions. I myself will have conversations with people and just try and ask them, you know, about their family, about their lives, um, about their interests, um, and just and just try and relate something that I've experienced to their interests. Because it, it may not be that your interests actually align with everyone. So it's going to happen. But, you know, I would always try and pick something that, that, that does align. As an example, you know, my, um, my husband is, is a blue-collar worker. He's a mechanic. I don't really know much about fixing a car. But, you know, I'll engage him sometimes and I'll ask him a question. How, how does this work or how does that work? I mean, there'll be times when I tune out and so forth, but at least I ask him the question. Now, he does the same with me. He doesn't know much about financial planning, but um, I've educated him enough to be able to ask the right questions. So it's, I think it goes both ways. The financial planner has to ask, ask int- questions that interest a client as well as the other way around. And I think that will build the relationship. The one thing that I always um, try and hammer into the students and I think that it's really important, especially from a compliance side, but it's also important from memory side because I, I have lapses in memory more than I used to. Um, we all do as we get older. Um, it's important to make the file notes because the file notes can make an, or break the relationship. And having those on file and looking at those before you talk to the client to remind yourself of what you spoke about before and bring up those topics because you're not going to remember everything. 
And if you bring up those topics and you constantly build on it and you constantly build on your database and you write these notes, that will help you to have a conversation with the client that's important to them and address an issue that's important to them. And then when it's, let's say it's a traumatic event, mm-hmm. how, how do you, as an advisor, how do you tackle that? You just do. I think it's something that you, you just have to have those difficult conversations. It may involve a little bit of training. Um, it, it, may need to, it may need to be more inbuilt into our degrees or in, as, as additional training. I don't know. I mean, that's something that I have been thinking about a lot and is it something that I should address in, in my thesis? Do we need more training to have the hard conversations? I think possibly we do. I, I definitely say we do. Um, in terms of like the role that psychology plays in, in financial services, it, it, like coaching, that sort of that life planning, um, that whole emotional piece, we, advisors are flying blind when they walk in to, mm-hmm. to the office. I think without a doubt that, um, so for example, Ray Jaramus, one of the co-founders here at XY, he did a psychology degree. Like that's what his degree was in to become a, and he was already a financial planner when he started his degree. He thought, well, what am I going to study as a, as a, to become a better financial planner? And he chose to study psychology. Um, I think it's a really overlooked um, aspect of the education. So if you have any sway whatsoever as to the curriculum um, in financial planning, oh my goodness, we should be doing whatever we can to help get those, those soft skills involved in the, um, in the production of the next generation of financial planners because it's such a big deal. Like learning how to talk to clients that have mental health problems is, is something that learning how to take you know, file notes, for example, we were talking about that earlier, or uh, you know, uh, go through their cash flow. You know, these, these skill sets, which are really sort of rational, they don't set the advisor up for success it it's it's a whole spectrum of uh of talents that's required to do this job really well and it's oftentimes that you that you realize that when it's a little bit too late where you're stuck in the meeting and you you haven't been an advisor very long and all of a sudden you're talking about these really important topics and you just don't know how to deal with them um so for example you know when i had clients uh who would have a claim for, uh, for insurance, for me, it was just, I was focused on one thing and that was making sure that they got as much of the money as possible, if not all of it. And you would strongly suspect that it would be all of it. And I kind of saw that as my job. Um, and the older I've become, although I'm not an advisor anymore, I often think, well, I probably should have done a bit more work. I, sh- I probably should have done uh, more follow-up with them because I, in a lot of ways, I felt like I had achieved the best outcome monetarily for them, but I didn't achieve the best outcome for them in terms of their entire life. And, um, and that's the kind of questions that advisors need to be asking themselves early on, right? Because it's not just a finance. We, we know that financial planning is not just a, a monetary thing. It's also an emotional thing. And why would, a claim on insurance be any different? Why, why do we see our job as just getting the money? Um, but not, well, no, I'm sure that there are advisors out there that do think about this, but it's not really the, the thing that, that we talk about. Like I've never heard an advisor say I worked really hard with my client to get them off claim. 
Like I've yeah. never, I've never heard an advisor say that. I never, I've never heard them say, you know, um, after six months of uh, after burnout, and we did a really good job of claiming on their uh, on on their insurance. Um, after six months, we decided it was actually better for them to get off the income protection and get back to work and become a productive member of society. I've never heard an advisor talk about that, and that's weird. It's really weird because if if we're really dealing with the best interest of the client, then the best interest for the client, a lot of the times, especially in a mental health situation, should be to get off claim as quickly as possible. You know, not, not the pressure of that, but it, it should be a goal. That, that should be something that we're working towards where it's like getting them off the couch, away from Netflix, getting them back into their life um, because it's not going to be enjoyable. And, and know that from a whole a whole list of reasons why we know that that's not going to be enjoyable. But if they're making less money by going back to work, it's going to be a really weird argument because then are you breaking the law? Are you breaking best interest duty to recommend to your client to reduce their income? Holy damn, right? So it's a really interesting scenario. Um, And one that, you know, it's going to take, I mean, just even starting the conversations is a great place to to begin. Um, Chilla, thank you so much in terms of coming on and sharing with us your experience and also your education. Um, is there anything that you'd like to leave with advisors to think about, um, you know, whether it's new advisors to the industry or ones that have been around for the last 40 years? Is there something in terms of, you know, resilience and empathy that, you know, you'd like to share? I think we just... I think we just need to think about, okay, the situation now is, is, is terrible. It's something that, um, and I'm, I'm sick of the overword, overused words, unprecedented times. So I'm not going not gonna to say it about this. But this, this situation, I think, has made a lot of people think differently about mental health, uh, about how we treat each other. And I hope that we can use our experience during this time to, I suppose everybody's saying be kinder. I just think more along the lines of not just be kinder to ourselves, but be kinder to every, everyone, animals, people, um, be, be better at our jobs just by going out there and, and, and looking behind everything and, you know, finding finding our purpose and making sure that purpose is to help other people in society, whether that's taking on a psychology degree, whether it's taking on a couple of extra courses, whether it's, you know, spending a little bit of time helping a friend, um, with, you know, with their study, with their, their lives. I hope that we can do that both as new advisors and as emerging advisors. Thank you. It's really nice. Um, it's great to have you on the team, I've got to say. And uh, yeah, looking forward to seeing what we do in the near and long-term future. All right, Chilla, thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me.